Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. But all over the world, and really, wrap your mind around this, all over the world today, people are celebrating because three days after Jesus died on a cross for the sins of all mankind, and he was put in a grave, he rose again. Amen. Come on, somebody. And ever since, people have been spreading his message and celebrating his resurrection. But what concerns me today, and I hope that you really think about and internalize today, is the process, the journey. Because if I know one thing, I know that Jesus didn't come and, and suffer a brutal death and, and live a sinless life and go through all that just so we could have ham and Easter eggs and family pictures. Although the photo op in the lobby is pretty sweet, right? But it's bigger than that. And so uh, throughout this series, it's called Close to Jesus. We're starting today and we're going to go through the, the rest of this month. Um, we're going to look at the book of Mark. And so Mark reports Jesus' life as it was with little interpretation. And I love that the book of Mark, it was actually written for a non-Jewish audience. It was written for people that didn't understand all the traditions or customs of, 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 the, of the Jewish nation. And, and you know, Jesus was Jewish. And, and so, and, and I love that because sometimes I'm that person. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. And I don't get all the intricacies and complexities of life and, and, and how everything works. And, and I can't answer all the questions. And so I just love that Mark just lays it out as it was. But as I've grown older, I don't know about you, but I've learned to, to trust myself less and less. That the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And, and maybe things that I used to be really convinced of, um, you know, I'm not so convinced of anymore. I've, I've been completely convinced of certain things in my life and then later learned that that was inaccurate. For instance, have you ever sang the lyrics of a song for like a decade wrong only to find out that's what the lyric is of that song? And like you were so convinced it was something else and then somebody was like, what are you singing and what's wrong with you, right? Or how about this? When I was growing up, I was absolutely convinced in, in the depths of my soul that Pizza Hut was the best pizza on the face of the planet. I read my books, I got my book it uh, uh, token thing, and I went and I walked in pizza like, like the man and got my personal pan pizza, and I was in heaven. It was like there was nothing better than Pizza Hut. And then I grew up and, and learned that there's way better pizza out there. And that perspective changed. You know, this past November, um, I had an amazing opportunity um, to run a marathon with my son, Jason. He's 17, and so this was going to be his first marathon, and, and, I, and this was going to be my eighth, and so I'm coming into this whole ordeal pretty confident. I'm the dad, he's the son, and, and I'm going I'm to show him what's up, right? And so since I had run many before, I thought it'd be totally fine. I was convinced that it was going to be a non-issue. And so never mind that in this particular race outside of Athens, Ohio, there was over 5,000 feet of elevation change, right? And never mind that it turned out on this particular day in November, it turned out to be rainy and cold and absolutely miserable, right? The trails were just total trash, muddy, slippery. The whole entire day, we're just trying not to fall. And I think I did fall a couple times. Well, later that day, about 20 miles into the race, my body just completely shut down. 
And I had this excruciating kind of experience of being at one of the aid stations, drinking uh, some liquids, trying to get you know, my wits about me, and coming to this realization, I'm done. Right? I'm done. My, I, I've been through races before. I've never felt like this. Something's not, not quite right, and I've got to bow out. And so the first race I've never finished, massive ego hit. I feel like an absolute failure. And on top of that, my son's in front of me, and I'm like, what in the world? He's going to get to the end, and I'm not going to be around. And, and this, is, this is miserable. And so I came to that moment of something that I was completely convinced, like I never quit. I, I, I got this, right? I've, done, I've been there, done that. It's all good. And then in that moment, I wasn't very convinced. I start to question myself and, and realize, man, I'm, I, how am I going to tell people this? I didn't finish a race. And those of you that know me well, you know, you, you kind of know my personality. You can imagine that, that, you know, it was hard for me. And so things that I once thought were slam dunks in life no longer are. I'm getting older and, and you know, I, I just can't uh, do some things like I used to do them. And we all come to that place in life where we realize that we aren't enough, Right? that we need something more, that our strength and our goodness and our ability to cope with whatever life brings us just isn't enough. And so we all have real losses, failures, insecurities, shortcomings. Something has probably happened in your life that was like a gut punch. And even as I talk about it, you're probably thinking of that exact moment where you just begin to question everything. You begin to, everything that you were once convinced of just starts to, you know, just crumble. And you're asking these big questions of life. God, man, if I can't cope with life and what's been dealt in my hands, what in the world am I gonna do? And so I love the book of Mark. I love it. Because Jesus came and went right to where people were at, in their hurting, in their pain, in their failures, and in their losses. You see, for over three years, Jesus went around, and I, I see that wherever Jesus went in Mark, there was always life change. There was a challenge of the status quo, and there was miracles, lots of them. And so he, Jesus goes from town to town to town, he, helping people. He touched the untouchable. He raised dead people back to life. Blind people saw. Deaf people heard. Mute people spoke, and lame people walked. Kids who once were pushed to the fringe, all of a sudden, Jesus took them in his arms and he blessed them. And, and, and he just all over the place was making a statement that those who thought they didn't have a place in the kingdom of God have a place. Isn't that amazing? Jesus got close to people. He went to them where they were at and showed them how much he loved them. And he set them free. And even after all that, and this is what blows my mind more than anything, people were not convinced. If I can be that easily convinced about Pizza Hut, but Jesus can go around healing people and doing these amazing miracles and just, just being selfless and, and showing love, and, and that still doesn't convince us. Because let's be real, we are those people that sometimes aren't convinced. It's like the best thing ever comes along and, and, and still people are like, I don't know about this Jesus guy, right? That might be you here today and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad. You're not convinced that Jesus was anything special. 
You might be even convinced of something completely different. You might be convinced that Christianity is just another religion, just a tradition, just a bunch of um, judgy people or a construct that we've created. Maybe you're convinced that it's irrelevant. Maybe you've been hurt and you just can't see through your hurt to see the real Jesus and who he is and what he, he has for you. We can be convinced of a lot of things. And many of the people in Jesus' day in the book of Mark had big questions about life too. But Jesus came, and here's the kicker, church. Jesus came for a very specific purpose to lead them towards belief, to lead them towards conviction that he is who he says he is and he could do what he said he was gonna do. And so let's talk today about what that process can look like because the whole point of Jesus' coming was to show you that he loves you, he wants to have a relationship with you, he has plans for your life, and that you might believe, completely convinced. Today, we're gonna look at some of the people who were close to Jesus when he died and when he was raised from the dead. And you're gonna see that the journey towards belief can sometimes be a bit challenging. It's not always uh, tulips and roses, right? It's not always whatever the Easter flowers are. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Eucalyptus and lilies, right? It's, It's not always marshmallows and clouds and just fluffy stuff. And so pull out your notes on your on your um seat, open up your app. The notes are in there as well, the Mosaics and Sandy app. And let's follow along today. You can fill in the blanks as we go along. So the journey towards belief can sometimes be a bit challenging, and the first thing that it can include, number one, is moments of confusion, moments of despair, and moments of doubt. You see, in Mark chapter 15, where I had you turn to today, we see the trial that Jesus went through with the Sanhedrin, we see the crucifixion, how he was brutally murdered, we see him die, and we see his burial. I cannot imagine the emotions, the thoughts, and the mindset of everyone that witnessed that crucifixion that day and what happens next. Think about it. Watching anyone, let alone someone that you really care about, get brutally murdered would be traumatic. Be traumatic. Absolutely crazy. One of the hardest things that I uh, have to do as a pastor um, is, is a lot of times I'm with people at the moment of death or shortly thereafter, and it's hard. It's just absolutely brutal. It's, it's brutal when you know that, man, they're, they're going to heaven and, they, and they, 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 they knew Jesus. How much even harder when it's somebody that you love, that you've given your life for, that you've followed for the last three years, and now you're watching them unjustly be murdered. In fact, the word excruciating is derived from the ordeal of crucifixion. That's where we get that word. It was just absolutely brutal. And to many people watching that day, that someone on the cross, Jesus, meant everything to them. They had left it all just to follow him. And so who was there? Let's talk about it. First, we see, you know, in Mark 15, 39, that there was a Roman officer and there were soldiers, the ones that actually physically nailed Jesus to the cross and lifted up that cross and dropped it in that hole. And, and they were the executioners. 
And so the guy in charge, the Roman officer there in, in verse 39, it says, when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man was truly the son of God. You see, because before that moment, he was just doing his job. He wasn't involved. But something was different about watching this man die than all the other men that he had been a part of of an execution before. Something was different about Jesus. And because he was close to Jesus at that time, things changed for him. Luke 23, 48 tells us that when all the crowd that had came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened... They went home in deep sorrow. This was not just another day. Jesus was not just another person. Everybody in attendance knew that something was up here. The crowd went from crucify him. They chanted it over and over. Crucify him, crucify him. They were angry. They were like, let's, let's get this guy. So they go from that to deep sorrow. There's something different. There's confusion There's despair, there's doubt. People are asking themselves, what do I believe? Mark 15, 40 through 41, it tells us some more people that were there at the cross that day. It says some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. Wow. All the disciples, the dudes, except John, had run away. And there's a point where they all fled. John shows back up with the ladies, and so it tells us that the women included Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Mary Magdalene, Salome. The the Gospel of Matthew adds the mother of the disciples, James and John. John adds the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Lord's aunt, and Mary, the wife of Clopas. And so all kinds of Marys were there. It was like one of the most common names in that day. And so I just think it's beautiful. All these ladies there watching, taking it in. They had been with Jesus. They had watched Jesus. They had been impacted by Jesus. Mary Magdalene had been delivered by Jesus. And here they are close to him still. Everyone else had run away. They'd spent these three years inseparable walking with Jesus. And now... He's gone. So these women had courage. They were strong. They were not ashamed to stand by the cross, to stay close to Jesus, even when they were confused, even when there was despair and doubt. And guess what? They weren't there because they understood. They were there because they loved and believed. And deep down in their heart, they were like, this can't be it. This can't be over. Right? They did not allow the fear of men to run them away from the cross. They didn't allow discouragement to defeat them despite not understanding what was going on. They stayed close to Jesus. And just had Jesus throughout the book of Mark had gone close to people and touched them and set them free, now Jesus was the one that was broken. Now Jesus was the one that was hurting and they were staying close to him in his brokenness. Just like these ladies, just like the officers, we all, need to take a moment and look at the cross and take it in. We all need to have this realization moment that the Son of God died for me, that he wasn't just another man, that this wasn't just another Roman 
execution, that there's something more to Jesus. You think about it, the Roman officer who saw purpose in Jesus' death, he heard the last words of Jesus, unprovoked and unscripted and unplanned, just a simple Roman officer eyewitness. He makes this declaration of faith that Jesus really was the Son of God. Guess what? He would not have heard those words and had that realization if he wasn't close, right up personal, right by Jesus. In your confusion, in your doubt, in your despair, when you don't know why life has happened the way it has happened, when you're not sure what you believe, don't run away. Get close. Do whatever it takes and get close and listen. They were following Jesus. And they still didn't understand everything or have all the answers. And so, hey, why don't you join the club today? And just say, hey, I'm confused. I'm in despair. I've got doubts. But I'm going to come close to the cross of Jesus Christ this morning. And I'm going to listen to what he's saying. The second thing that we see as we look at these last moments before the resurrection is we see that there's moments of risk. There's moments of risk. When you believe in Jesus, when you take that leap, it's, it's more than just a mental ascent. It's a risk. Why? Because Jesus was not just another man. He was God in the flesh. Listen, no one in history disputes the existence of Jesus. It's well documented. Historians who are atheists and don't believe in God, they will say, yes, Jesus existed and he, he, was, he was around. But Jesus came And he didn't just talk like any other man. He declared that he was the only way to God, the one way, the truth, the life, that no one goes to the Father except through him. Normal people don't do that. And so when you put your faith and your trust in Christ, you're taking a risk. Because when Jesus says that he is the one and the only way to God and to heaven, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he really is Lord. Those are the only three options because normal people don't say they're God, right? And so what do you believe? It's a moment of risk. Talking about spirituality these days is not controversial. Talking about Jesus is. Saying Jesus is the only way. He is who he says he is, and man, we're gonna follow him. That's controversial. And so let's look at this man that took a risk that day when Jesus died. Mark 15, 43 through 46, says Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. So he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. Now, just a little backstory. He couldn't believe that Jesus was dead yet because normally crucifixions took many days. And these, these people who were crucified, they would hang there and they would suffer for days. And so Pilate was, couldn't believe that Jesus was already gone. But Jesus had been whipped so badly and he had lost so much blood. And, he, and he had, since he had been nailed to the cross, his death was sped up exponentially. And so the officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph that he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth 
and laid it in the tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone. Joseph bought, he bought, then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, laid it in the tomb, and he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Whoa. Talk about getting up close and personal. Man, we all want to be close to Jesus, close to the action, close to the superstar, close to, you know, well, what about when we're taking his body off the cross? It's one thing as a pastor to do a funeral. I can't imagine being the one, the mortician that is close to the body. Hard. Can't imagine. But Joseph was taking a huge risk in doing this. Let's dig a little deeper. Why was this? John 19, 38, it says, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders. So he's the secret disciple. He's afraid of losing his status. He's a member of the high council. He was rich. He, and, and he was afraid to go public with, for Jesus because of who he associated with. Because the people he associated with thought Jesus was a heretic. Matthew 27, 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea who had become a follower of Jesus. So he's a secret disciple, he's full of fear, and he's a rich man. Remember, Jesus had, had told everybody it's really hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And so, man, this guy's already got a few strikes against him. Then in Luke 23, listen to what it says. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the, high, of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And so it's good and righteous, but at the same time, no record of him speaking up at the trial and saying, you know, it, it was obvious that he didn't agree, but he didn't speak up. And yet he comes to this moment where he just can't stand back in the shadows anymore, when his faith can't be secret anymore, when he can't just be a casual observer and a private follower. There comes this moment of risk. You know, there's a lot of discussions in pastoral or theological circles about what constitutes a genuine disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. And most of the very zealous people were like, only if you go all the way and you're completely surrendered. And, and I do believe we need to surrender to Jesus. There's, that, that is absolutely true. And so you might think that you don't qualify. And, and honestly, when looking at this list, we might not think that Joseph would qualify. And yet, even though he was secret and even though he was afraid, the Bible says he was a good and righteous man and that he was a follower of Jesus. A secret disciple, he was afraid of losing his wealth and his prestige. But look at the amazing part that he played in Jesus' resurrection story. Listen, in this day, when bodies were taken down from the cross, what would normally happen is those bodies would be thrown on a trash heap, a mass grave, and they would be eaten by vultures. But God had different plans. You see, the Isaiah, the prophet, hundreds of years before, prophesied that the suffering servant, which was Jesus, would die as a condemned man and be assigned to the grave of the wicked, but he would be buried with the rich. So 400 years before, or hundreds of years before this prophecy was made, and yet, God uses somebody who was fearful, ashamed, not quite ready to take this public stand, and yet he comes to this moment where he takes this risk, 
and becomes a part of this amazing story. Joseph was the only disciple who acted. The women watched, and maybe they wanted to do something, but they didn't have the means. Joseph was a rich man. And God used what he had to play such a crucial part of the resurrection story. Think about it, man. When you just think of the big picture, it blows your mind. Jesus' first step of humiliation in his life was the poverty of a borrowed manger, not even having a place to be born that was appropriate. And, and, and perhaps his first step of exaltation was the honor of burial with the rich. And so even in this moment that seems so dark and so hard and so just, just, just ugly, Jesus was using somebody with just a little faith, willing to take a risk to, to write this amazing story for all mankind. Listen, I love that Jesus includes these people in his story in such a crucial juncture. It's like he's driving home the point that this is for all of you, that Jesus, whether you're afraid to say it or not, whether you're, you're unsure, you've got doubts, Jesus is for you. You got doubts? You got fear? Let's go. Come on. Jesus' arms are open for you. And we all are going to come to that moment that feels risky. Are we going to step out and put our faith in Christ? Are we going to go public with our faith like they did this morning in baptism? Are we going to step out when God says go? Just like Joseph, there comes a moment when your faith isn't secret anymore. And I'm praying that that moment happens for you in this place this morning. We are all confronted with a patient, humble Savior who brutally gave his life for you and for me on a cross. Will we step out and take the risk putting our faith in him regardless of what that means for our life and the repercussions of our social life or interactions? Will you put your faith in Christ today? Will you go public for him? The third thing that we see in this amazing story, and it's the thing I pray for every single one of you, is that we don't just experience the moments of confusion and despair and doubt, and we don't just, you know, have that tough experience of risk, because risk is hard. But we have the moment of triumph. The moment of triumph, amen? Let's jump back to the ladies of the story. And so as soon as Joseph of Arimathea, he takes the body, he wraps it up, he, he puts it in the tomb. And, and then at the very end of the chapter, it goes back to the ladies and it says, Mary Magdalene and, the Mar and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. They're still hanging around. They're still not going anywhere. They're close to Jesus. And so think about this. Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary. They're sitting opposite the grave. They're sitting there and they're watching. Mark writes that they were looking at the tomb and he uses the verb theoreo. This is a Greek term, a Greek word, and, and it's one of at least three Greek terms in describing visual, visual observation. And theoreo, it means to observe something with sustained attention. It means to examine for the purpose of gaining understanding. So they weren't just sitting there watching, taking it all in and just like, you know, for the heck of it. No, they were sitting there asking themselves, what in the world does all this mean? 
In other words, after the long, exhausting, traumatic day, the women sat before his tomb, staring, trying to make sense of it all. Right? They're probably experiencing that doubt and that confusion. My favorite part of of this story, though, is, is not that they're just watching and not that they're just observing, but they didn't just sit around. They were like, what can we do? What can we do? And so as soon as Jesus' body was put in that grave, the time came for the Sabbath to begin, to begin. And so for the next 24 hours, the Jewish people could do no work and they had to rest and they couldn't do anything. And so the, the ladies rested on the Sabbath and then the moment they could do something, um, they, they, they did something. So Mark 16, 1 through 11, it says, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body. Man, these women, nothing could stop them from getting close to Jesus. Um, You know, scholars say that they probably purchased around 75 pounds of aromatic resin. And so I love it. They're staying up late at night to get these spices. They're preparing. They're carrying heavy things. They're doing things that cost them something to stay close to Jesus. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they, they hadn't even planned it out. On the way, they're asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us uh, from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. Come on, somebody. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Amen. He's risen. And then Angel, just just to throw the cherry on top, he's like, look, look, this is where they laid his body. Why would that mean something to them? Because just a few days before, they're sitting outside of that tomb, completely dejected in despair, staring, wondering, what is the meaning of this all? And the angel's like, look, you saw him here a few days ago. He's gone. He's risen. He's alive. Amen? Now, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, and in case you didn't know, Peter had completely denied Christ, crashed and burned, failure, right? And so this is the angel's way of saying, hey, God still has plans for Peter. Even though Peter ran away and denied Christ and, and, and didn't show up, there's still grace. And so he said, Go tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Now, I love this because this is like the moment of convincing. This is the moment where they're like, oh my goodness. We thought we believed. We thought we knew. But this is when it all just got real. This is when they're convinced. So what happens? The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they're too frightened. They're in an emotional and mental mess. They're like, what is going on? But obviously they gathered themselves, and and it says, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. Wow. Man, I would venture to say, and this is Joe talking, but 
man, she got to have this amazing experience because she never stopped staying close to Jesus. Amazing things happen when you keep pursuing Jesus in your life, when you let nothing keep you from him. When you say, I'm going to figure this thing out and I'm going to figure out what I believe no matter what the cost, I'm staying close to Jesus. So Mary goes to the disciples who are grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. Now, in all of this confusion and doubt, at some point, there's this moment of belief. There's this moment of convincing. The moment where everyone there realized that they can believe. And we know from other accounts of of the Gospels that Peter and John ran to the tomb. We know that Jesus appeared to his disciples. He showed grace to them. He reinstated Peter even though Peter had failed. And he gave them their mission to reach the whole world for Christ, which is why you are sitting in the chair you're sitting in right now today. Amen? Jesus pursued them even when they ran away. And this is even more reason for us to stay close to Jesus. But we also see God's amazing faithfulness to those who stay close to him, right? Who stayed close to him throughout their entire process. Let's jump back to my story about the marathon. When I crashed and burned and failed, albeit in a way that really doesn't matter. No one cares about the race and and all that. But... Now, just to be clear before I say this next part, my son Jason is not Jesus. This is just an illustration. But here's the illustration. I quit. I had to bum a ride off somebody there at the aid station that just happened to be there and was headed back to the lodge, and it was awkward. I stunk to high heaven. I was muddy. I was stinky. I was gross. I was shivering. I was a, I was a mess. And so I get in these people's clean minivan, right? And I'm getting their seat messy and I'm apologizing. And it was awkward because they don't know. Am I like, am I someone scary? Should we have this stranger in our car? It was, it was awkward, right? And so I'm trying to make small talk as we go as my teeth are chattering and I'm trying to pull myself together, right? And I'm just feeling super dumb for quitting. And so we're riding back and and, and, and so we're descending this long hill down to the lodge there at Baroque State Park. And, and up ahead, guess who I see running? My son. And guess what? The moment I saw my son charging towards that finish line, about fourth of a mile away, every single bit of my ego and my pride and my failure and me feeling sorry for myself magically was gone gone. And so we pull up in that minivan and I jump out of that minivan and I'm hobbling because I could barely walk over to the finish line. And I managed to get over there just in time to watch and cheer my son across that finish line. And it was amazing. And guess what? I didn't care anymore that I had failed. I didn't care anymore about my, my lack, right? I didn't care because someone more important to me won their race. And it's the same with Jesus. When you bring what you have to him, man, you cease to worry about your shortcomings and your failures and your sin because someone more important to you, the savior of all the world, won his race, conquered death, rose again on the third day, and he's alive and he did it for you because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Amen? 
He went all the way for you and me. It's not that you finished your race with flying colors. It's that he did. Amen? Listen, when you bring what you have and you just get close to Jesus, even in your confusion and your doubt and your despair, you're surprised with resurrection life and new life. Resurrection power. So I just want to say, keep searching. Keep bringing what you have to Jesus. Keep laying your life at his feet. If you're seeking today and you don't even know if you believe in God, I want to encourage you with a verse. And in Luke 11, 9 through 10, it says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And why is that? Because we know from Revelation that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. And he's just waiting for you to open up that door and let him in. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me, if you get close to me, wholeheartedly, you'll find me. And we saw this in 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 the lives of Joseph and the ladies in the story. And it's true in your life today. If you look for Jesus, you're gonna find him. Church goer, maybe you've been coming for a while and maybe you're just going through the motions and just doing church, but, but man, you're, you've lost this connection with God and you feel like you're, you, you don't have a relationship with him. Listen to what it says in James 4, 8. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. What a promise, amen? Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And so listen, church, listen, seeker, lay down your confusion, lay down your despair and your doubts. Take a risk and put your faith in Christ today and step into Jesus's triumph and his resurrection life that he's prepared for you. Amen. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and stand your feet with me today. If you want to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ this morning, it's really simple. The Bible makes it uh, clear. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Amen? And so I hope that you're full of courage today, that you know you can come to Christ just as you are, just as you are, and put your faith and trust in Christ today. And so as we sing this next song, I want to encourage you, if that's you today, pray a prayer in your own words. Confess with your mouth, Jesus, your Lord. I believe that that God raised you from the dead and let Jesus birth new life, resurrection life in you today. Amen? Amen. Let's worship Jesus together. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.